Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. Praise the Lord. Well, it's always good to be at Island Church, isn't it? Praise God. Looking forward to it. We've been looking forward to it. i got books everywhere. Look at me. i got books everywhere. may not use them, but I'm going to have them. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how we're, the days we're living in right now, you know, they're actually the, the best of days. And, and uh, I like what Joe Morris always says, hey, we don't have an escape mentality, but a hustle mentality. We're supposed to be hustling and getting ready because Jesus is coming back. I know y'all believe that around here, and we believe that around here. Everything's hooking up and lining up for it. And I'm excited about it. How about you? Praise God. We're looking up. Our redemption's drawing nigh. And, uh, you know, I was, I didn't know, uh, Rusty texted me this morning, asked if I'd minister this morning, but I was up at five o'clock this morning preaching to myself. And, uh, you know, I I told Linda, I said, well, I don't know when he's going to ask me. And so I got the text. I said, I'd love to praise God. So hallelujah. I can ask people in my church. They have to have a week or two to get ready. And, uh, praise God, you know, (laughs) be instant in season and out. Amen. You know, it's amazing how, how, you know, the times, you know, of course, we all, all the stuff, Rusty's been talking about it and everything, we're, we're past the pandemic, they say it's over, and, uh, but some people want to hang on to the pandemic, you know, I'm, I live in a town of 4,300 people, and I still see people riding down the road on a bicycle with masks on, I'm looking around like, what's going, what, what are you, what's, what's after you, or driving down the car by themselves. I'm thinking that something's wrong here, and I'm not knocking. If you want to wear a mask, that's your business. You know, you you can do what you want to do, but I'm telling you, so many people have got so, they got caught, so caught up in that fear that they just don't want to let go, and you know, so many people have so, you know, I, I say so many people, it's not around here, the choir, we preach to the choir today, but the thing about it is so many people have completely turned their backs on the truth. I'm talking about spirit-filled, tongue-talking people had the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. Come on, somebody help me. They don't want to hear it. You got anybody you've been trying to talk to, and they just want to stick their hand at you like, speak to the hand. The ear is not listening. We, we, it was kind of strange. Somebody told me the other day the reason somebody wasn't coming back to our church because they said when he's up there speaking in tongues, he's he casting spells on people. I sure am. I hope I am. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. And it's just crazy because that person knows nothing about the Holy Ghost. Nothing about the Holy Ghost. We was having a food distribution in, in, uh, at our church the other day. We have a, a we're, we're hooked up with, a, 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 what is it? Central Texas a Food Bank. And so they come out of Austin once a month to our church, and they set up, and we, we con- distribute food. So I was sitting there, and I was, I was actually the, uh, the person uh, directing traffic. And so it's kind of good. I keep them from running into our building. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden this girl comes around and comes back around in her car. She wasn't very old. I would say early 30s, something like that maybe. And she come up because one of my other members sent her over to me to talk to. And so she comes up to me, and she gets out of the car, and she looks at me. She said, I just want to ask you a question. I said, well, ask me. She said, I've been going to a church in the other town, my head a little bit, me and my partner. And when she said partner, I kind of figured where she's going with this. 
And she said, my partner, but I said, I'm going to let her listen to her, listen to her out. She said, my partner, uh, she's told the story. She said, they said, we, we couldn't, we weren't, couldn't come there because we didn't fit into their agenda or something like that. And so she said, what do you think about it? I said, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. She said, well, I know the Old Testament talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. She said, but it says nothing about it in the New Testament. I said, ma'am, you're wrong. I said, yes, it does. And I gave her some scriptures to read, and then I started telling her, I said, but you're welcome to come here. We will not, not we, we would love to have you here. You come here, and she wouldn't let me talk. She stuck her hand out there and said, I've got my answer. I've got my answer. I've got my answer. I mean, it's like, I don't want to hear the truth. You tell me what I want to hear, and then I'll be a part of what you've got going. But I'm telling you, it's to your benefit to have pastors that will teach the truth, whether it hair lips you or not. What? Man, I tell you what, I've never kicked but one person out of our church. And so, it, uh, you know, I've, I've welcomed people in. But, well, you, you all wish, y'all, anyway. The thing about it is, I want to talk about this morning I'll, uh, just a little bit because uh, I, I look forward to hearing Pastor Rusty. But, you know, remember when. That's what my message is, remember when. And so I want to go to Psalms 42. Psalms 42. And uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. And it says this, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so, my, so pants my soul for you, O God. And then it goes on to say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? Isn't it amazing how uh, when the, the, even, even the devil will ring that in your ears when things are going in your life. He'll say, where is your God? Uh, what, where's God? Why ain't God helping you? Why ain't God pulling you out of this? Why that? And I'm telling you, we all deal with something like that. Just even the, even the uh, apostles in the boat when it was sinking, they said, uh, Jesus, wake up, Jesus. Do you, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care? Listen, the one thing you better understand and need to understand that God cares. He cares about every little thing in your life, every little detail of your life. He cares about everything about you. What concerns you concerns him. And so he said, I long to God. And then, then, the, then he said, uh, all my enemies are saying, where is your God? Where is this God you serve? But here's where it's for. Listen, this is kind of, this is kind of, I, I, I saw this and preached on it a, a while back. Listen to what it said. The psalmist says this, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For Listen to what it says, for I used to go with the multitude. For I used to go to the multitudes. I went with them to the house of God. While the voice of joy, with the voice of joy and praise, and with the multitude that kept a pilgrim's feet. Listen to what Psalm said. I used to go to church. I used to go to the house of God. I used to worship God. I used to praise to God. Listen to me. Anything you used to do means you don't do it no more. And so there's so many people that used to go to church. They used to praise and worship God. They used to have the joy of the Lord. And I'm telling you, we got to understand something. The house of God wasn't the preacher's idea. 
I think sometimes when we, we quote the scripture in Hebrews 10, 25, when we quote, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do, especially as you see the day of his return drawing nigh, they almost think we wrote that. We didn't write it. They said, you preachers just want us to come to church. Well, yeah, we do, but we, we, God wants you to come to church more than we do. Listen, it's to our benefits to be in the house of God. Come on now, not to pull away from God. The psalmist said, listen to me, I used to go to the house of God. I used to praise and worship God. I used to lead them, glory to God. I used to do all these things, and now the devil is coming against me, attacking me and all. But if you keep reading the psalm, which I'm not, he got hooked back up. It's time for people to get hooked back up. Praise God. Listen to me. We are not in the days to draw back from God. We're in the days to get closer to God. He said, listen to what he said. This is amazing. If you'll draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to you. Glory to God. I'm telling you something. There's so many things happening in people's lives that blows you away. You know, as a pastor, we, we see things all the time. We, we watch people. We watch uh, how the devil attacks people. He attacks everybody. People say, people just don't understand what I'm going through. God does. I may never go through what some people go through, but God knows exactly what you're going through. And he has a way to deliver us. So the psalmist, one thing he said, he said, I used to go to church. I used to go to the house of God. Listen to me. You, if, I'm, I'm, you're here this morning. But I don't know if they're streaming or not. But anyway, we need to understand something. The house of God is, a, I believe, a place of protection when people get hooked up. If you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I'm telling you something. Psalms 91, Pastor Rusty's talking about a while ago. We have lived by Psalm 91, going through the pandemic, going through all that, that junk that was going on. We quoted and claimed Psalms 91, the blood of Jesus. We claimed the Word of God. We declared the Word of God. We stayed in the house of God. Hallelujah. Even when they wanted us to shut it down, we did for just a little bit. I think two weeks maybe. I'm telling you what, I, I, if, if we'd have known what the heck they were doing back then, there wouldn't have been a church shut down. Come on now. The devil's, all he wants to do is silence the church. Silence the church. It's been an attack against good and evil. That's what it's been. And I'm telling you, listen to me, evil never wins. God always wins. He's, we're all, we're all going to be, we're always going to be the victor. Come on. Somebody help me. You are the victor. Well, I'm just trying to get the victory. Stop it. You already got it. Come on now. We're not fighting for, for victory. We're fighting from victory. Glory to God. We've already, listen, God says, I've already given you the victory. Already given you the victory. You know, there's, there's a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm getting to the bottom of my notes. Because I just feel like I need to. Let's go to Psalms, if you will, Psalms uh, 92. I'm going to preach in a minute. Psalms 92 says this. I was, I was, uh, I was at a car wash in Waco one day and, and uh, waiting on my car to go through, there's a guy in there shining shoes. He was in right when you go in. So I, I sit down. I had my boots on. So I, hey, I sit down. He said, let me shine your shoes. I said, okay. Yeah, well, you can shine my shoes. So we got to talking about the Lord. And uh, 
he was sitting there talking to me, and I said, well, do you go to church? He said, well, I go over there a little while, and I'll go over there a little while. And I go, I said, well, you know, you're just not going to be no good to nobody. You're not helping nobody by just flopping here and there. And he sat there, and he looked at me. I said, in the Psalms, here's what the Psalms says. And I said, the, uh, the, the book of Psalms says this, and I was quoting it because I didn't have my Bible with me. And so it says, the righteous, verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those, somebody shout those. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Listen, oh, listen to this. You're going to like it. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Everybody over 90 say, yay. <laughs> Heard somebody say, oh, uh, uh, old is a, is a mindset. What was it? Old's a mindset. Age is a, I don't forgot what it said. Just a number. Just a number. You know, I look at myself as 65 years old. I'm, I'm middle age. Is that right? 120 years, middle age. Right in the middle. It says, they shall still bear, still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no uprightness in him. So, so the Bible says that we'll plant ourselves in the house of God. Did you know God wants you rooted in a house? He wants you rooted in a house. If, if you think about a plant, if you took a plant and you said, you know, I want to plant this tree right here in front of my house. And you plant that thing there, and it's been there about three or four months, and you walk out there and say, I really don't like it sitting there. I think I'm going to move it over here. So you dig it up and put it over here, and you leave it two or three months and stuff like that, and you walk out again and say, that's in my way. I have a problem mowing there. I think I'm going to put it over here. And you put that thing over there. You know that tree will never grow? It'll never grow because it can't get no root system. And anything will blow it over. Anything that comes against it's going to tumble it. Anything, why? Because it has no roots. And God's saying the same thing of you and I. We need to get in a house where God sends us, and we need to get planted in the house of God so that we can flourish in the courts of our God and still bear fruit in old age. Come on, now, I want to be bearing fruit when Jesus comes back. Amen? Glory to God. And then we, listen, we need to be, at, we, when we're in church, we need to be a part of it. The Bible says we need to assemble ourselves together. I would rather have a, an assembled bicycle than one just gathered. I hate buying stuff in the box. I hate it, man. I'll pay the money to, I'll go in there and say, can I have that one? It's already put together. Because assembles when it's putting together and operating. Gathered together when you pour it out and there's nuts and bolts and, 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 and most men are not like me, but I hate reading instructions. I look at the pictures. Any, can I have any amens from any of these men? Huh? And by the time I get it all put together, I find a piece that I forgot to put in the back upside down where you have to take it all apart to find it. But if you can't see it, throw it away. Come on now. 
So I like to have that thing assembled. God likes for his church to come together in an assembly, to come together in one mind and one accord. When the music cranks up, we all singing. When we're praying, we all praying. We're not sitting there twiddling our thumbs, looking at Facebook, doing all such as that, wondering what in the world's going on out in the world. I don't give a rip what's going out in the world when I'm in the house of God. I'm in there to worship God and praise God and to learn the Bible and learn the instructions of the kingdom. Somebody help me. Come on now. Church is a good place. I was just seeing who's mad. Huh? Some people get upset about all this. Praise God. Listen to me. I'm, I'm I, I, Anyway. Get, being in church is not time to have locked y'all. Stand there like. Through the whole praise and worship. Come on now. I ain't talking about none of y'all. I wasn't looking around. Add my face to the front. But I'm thinking, what are you, what are you, what are you expecting to get? You ain't, it's, you ain't even giving nothing. What, I'm all right. I I'm not the pastor of this church, so praise the Lord. Maybe my church congregation will watch it. But the thing about it is church is God's uh, idea. Praise and worship was God's idea. Prayer was God's idea. It wasn't ours when, when pastor wants to pray and starts praying. He, the one thing about pastors Rusty and Leah, they're going to pray in tongues. I don't care where they are. Huh? I've had people tell me before, well, the church is not the, uh, uh, not the time to pray in tongues. I say, what? Where is the right place? Supermarket's a good place. They'll look at you a little strange for a little bit. I remember being in Rudosa, New Mexico one day, and, and we was in one of those shops, and I was, I was on the other side of the store, and I was going, she ta da da ba ba Linda's on the other side said, Randy. I preach loud, so I pray loud, and I don't even know it. But the thing about it is, we're, we're, we are the church. The church has to be a light out there. We got to be a light out there. We have got to be the light because the darkness is trying to completely swallow people up. Amen. You know, I, I remember when the when the when the, the, the all the stuff started in the pandemic and such as that, and and when we did close our church for a couple of, couple of weeks, and and I had somebody call me up and said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I won't be coming back to church till all this is over. I started laughing on the phone at her. I said, well, it ain't going to be over. I said, it ain't going to be over. Not for them. They ain't been back yet. They ain't been back. Y'all know what I'm saying. Not for them, it wasn't. I mean, listen, the pandemic came in not to, to, to give people an excuse not to gather together and assemble. Huh? We're getting quiet now. Listen, we, we watched... 
we have watched, and we talk about church, and we talk about the Word of God because the Word of God is one of the most important things we have to hang on to and cling to. And if we can get a hold of the Word and grab the Word and say, you know, I'm not, here's what I want, Pastor Rusty. I want the Word to change me and not me try to change the Word. And that's what the Word will do, it'll change you. But so many people want it to change the way their lifestyle is. Here's what I want now. I want to live. We're in a new day after all, preacher. This is a new era. This is a new time. We're in a new season. Listen to me. We are in a new season, but I tell you what, this word, listen to me. I tell people all the time. One thing I want you to know right now, this is the truth of God, and it will never change. I don't give a rip what happens out there. This will never change. God will always be your healer. He'll always be a deliverer. He'll always be a provider. He'll always be an ever-present help in time of need. He'll always be there for you when you need him. Always, always, always. You got to understand, he will never change. So what we got to do, we got to hook up with him. We, we, we had several people that, that, that passed away during the during the pandemic, not not some not of the pandemic or not of COVID. But here's what we saw as as pastors and and listen, my, my whole my, my whole message right now is to encourage you to be a part of the church, be a part of the body, a, a local body, local body. You know, some people says, well, I, it, it don't matter where I go to church. Where you go to church is a matter of life and death. Are y'all hearing me? The, the chief of police, which was one of the guys that was, would come and be with our, our, our service uh, in, our, in our foyer, and he was watching, you know, we have them like y'all do, somebody sitting in our foyer. And, uh, and he, he asked me one day, because we had people coming from Waco, we had people coming from all the towns around us coming to church, and he said, why, he asked me this, why would people pass up the churches in their area to come here? He, now, he wasn't knocking our church. He couldn't understand why, why they just wouldn't stop at the nearest one. Because there are people who will still listen to God on where they're supposed to go to church. Are you hearing me? Elijah didn't tell God, you know, uh, God said, go to the brick chair. I think I'll go to this one over here. Naaman tried to pick another river. But he finally went to the right river. Do you know there's a right church for you? If you're a part of Island Church, you know in your heart you're supposed to be here. So you are to be here no matter what happens. You, you, can't, you, can't, walk, you can't walk into church thinking, well, you know, if somebody don't speak to me. I'm a meddle a minute. I'm a pastor. Well, you know, people walk. I, I, I had somebody the other day. I was busy. I, I'd hauled cattle to the sale, and I, I was pulling up to get gas and, and uh, in my truck. I needed to get some I was going to go get another load of cows and carry them to the sale, and I was going, and I pulled up there in a hurry. You know how I get you in a hurry. Your mind, you ain't thinking about nobody around you. You're just thinking about, I got something I got to do right now. And I'm terrible. People say, you didn't wave at me yesterday. I said, so, I, I didn't see you. But on this particular day, there was a little elderly lady sitting in front of the gas pump. I'm sitting waiting, and she was sitting there working. She went to me. So I get out and walk over there, and she said, can you help me? I can't get this pump working. 
And so I helped her, did all those things. So I went in the store because I asked them, what in the world's going on? She can't get her card. And anyway, evidently, I walked past a person that had been in our church without saying nothing. Well, it made Facebook. The only thing left out, my name. Well, it's bad when a preacher will walk by you and not speak. I'm a, when I see him, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you speak to me when I walked by. What? I have been in church and had people reject my hand. And I'm still there. Come on, church Church is a place, listen, I, I come, when we go to church, here should be our attitude. Can I tell you how our attitude ought to be? I'm going here for Jesus. I'm coming here for the Word of God. I'm coming here to get healed, delivered, set free, whatever I might need. That's why I'm going there. That's the reason I'm going there. And I'm going to sing when they're singing. I'm going to pray when they're praying. I'm going to be listening to the Word when he's preaching it. And when I walk out, I'm going to be better than I was when I walked in. And I refuse to let the devil rob me of that in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. You can't walk in there with a chip on your shoulder because somebody's going to knock it off before you get out that very day. And a lot of times I could be ticked off. That's a better word. Wasn't the one I thought about, but it's a better one. Come on, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just a country boy from Rosebeck. I'm a friendly person. But here's, here's the deal. We had, we had a... Here, here's the deal about getting hooked up in church. And I was going to say this a while ago. I know I'm probably preaching way short, but I, uh, we had a, a lady in our church, and, and, and she got diagnosed with liver cancer. And she, uh, she got a hold of Rusty. She's, she's listening to Rusty's podcast, and she started listening to Rusty's deal on the Seraphonician woman had the demon of this daughter and how she fell at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. He marveled at her faith, and her daughter got delivered. Well, man, she got a hold of that word, got faithful, was faithful to church. She would have been our youth leader and all such as that, and, and she got faithful to church and, and uh, uh, started worshiping God, and they gave her a clean bill of health, 100% healed. Well, it came back. It came back. But she didn't have the same fight. She didn't have the same fight. She quit going to church. Dropped out of church. Well, we buried her. 56 years old. We buried her because she just gave it up. She said, I, I, I'm ready to just give it up. He said, why? Listen, if we, don't, if we think we can remove ourselves from the institutions of God that he set up and, and expect the victories that we want, we might be mistaken. We got another lady, Russ, and I'll tell this one real quick. She's, she got diagnosed with 18 tumors, 18 tumors, and her liver and her kidneys. And so she got diagnosed. She hadn't been in church, hadn't been in church for a while, but she called us and had to start praying for her. Next thing you know, she gets back in church. 
We give her the book by Dodie Osteen, Heal to Cancer. She took that book, read that book, put all the scriptures in her phone, quoted those scriptures every day, don't miss a church service. She got back in church. When they gave her just a, they didn't give what, year to live maybe? Maybe? And I'm telling you something, it, it, it devastated her, but we, we literally encouraged her and we'd call her at night. She said, would y'all call me and encourage me? We'd call and encourage her and stuff like that. But here's what I'm trying to tell you is this. The, de- the Bible says we have an adversary. I mean, the Bible says we have an adversary, the devil, who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And But the next verse said, whom you must resist steadfast in faith. Listen, there's too many people assisting the devil instead of resisting the devil. Well, she comes up and she gets into church. She starts coming to church faithfully. She stays in the house of God, quoting the word of God all the time. She told me just the other day, just just a couple of weeks ago, she said this. She actually told me, she said, I'm going for another scan, CAT scan and stuff like this, and I want you to pray that everything's perfect. Pray that I said, I'm going to agree with you. She goes back to the doctor, and this is not a godly doctor. I mean, he, he said, I'm not a healer. I don't heal Well, she said, I know that. She said, I'm not looking to you to heal me. And so she went back, and here's was her report. She said, when they did, because they told her, you're going to have to have probably liver transplant, and your kidneys are failing. She only had one kidney. only had one kidney. Your kidney's failing. She said, Laura... She said, they told me my liver is perfect. And my kidney is doing the job of two kidneys. And there's three tumors left, and they've shrunk down to nearly nothing. 18 tumors, kidney failure, liver failure, and she got hooked back up in the house of God, in the word of God, in prayer, and God started doing miracles in her body. And I'm telling you something, God's no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he will do for another. I want to tell you right now, never give up. Never throw in the towel. I will, I went to, I'm going to quit in a minute. I went in Saturday evening. I, I, we t- took it. Ted and Jen to eat lunch, and, and uh, we, we went, and, and I walked in the house, and uh, I turned on the TV, and I found the Houston Astros. And I turned it on. I'm thinking, man, that should have been gone over a long time ago. I said, what's going on here? And I was looking. I was looking at the little box in the corner. I said, zero, zero, that can't be right. Something, this must be a rerun or something's wrong on here. Something's wrong with this thing. I kept trying to figure out, what inning is this? And I looked. 16, 16, that, that can't be right. And I'm looking at that. Is it 16 inning? I just left it on there a little bit, 17th inning. And I thought, and I don't even like baseball. But I was watching it, and here's, here's what I got to thinking. Here they go into the 18th inning. And this little shortstop steps up at the bat. He looks like a kid. And he hit that ball. Out of the park, a home run, run around them bases. It's kind of like you might feel like sometimes you're in the 18th inning, 
But you need to step up to that plate like you're about to knock it out of the park and you need to swing with all your might and you need to take the word of God and say, by his stripes, I am healed. Jesus Christ is my healer and my deliverer and I refuse to go down in defeat. I will win this battle in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, somebody. You got to start swinging with all the power that the Holy Ghost has put on the inside of you. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal body. I'm telling you what, you are a winner. Woo! Did you let that stinking devil lie to you? You're not going to win this time. What do you mean this time? I won before I ever got up. I won before I stepped into the, uh, to the ring. I won the day I bowed my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. I won the victory over the kingdom of darkness that in March the 5th, 1978. Let that stinking devil lie to you. So next time you come into the house, realize the house of God. Man, it ain't about nobody in here but me. Me and Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not trying to stick your nose up to people. I'm talking about be nice. We're all a part of the body and we work together. But what I'm talking about, don't go looking if somebody don't stick their hand out. Somebody don't pat you on the back. Somebody don't tell how beautiful you look and all such that. You walk in there and know to God you're the most beautiful thing on the world. And we're going in there. Listen to me. We've got to get the pettiness out of church. If we're going to see the power, we've got to get the pettiness out. And then you'll start experiencing the power of God in your life. Come on now. Don't let the devil rob you of the place where God put you. Huh? I'm in, I'm in Grosbeck. Praise God. I'm going to be there until Jesus comes back. In Jesus' name, I will be. But I'm here to tell you right now, I'm going to go to church, and if, they, if somebody don't want to stick their hand out to me, I'm still going to stick mine out to them. And if I get the opportunity to see the guy that told me, put me on Facebook, I will say hi to him next time. I just didn't see him. <laughs> Isn't God good? We serve an awesome God. And uh, I tell you what, this is a great body. And I just had a guy this morning at the hotel we're staying at where I was getting coffee, and he said, what about this island church? He said, man, all these people keep coming here and talking about island church. There's an island church talking about such a good church. that I said, it's a real good church. I said, it's the best one. And I said, you need to go and try it. He said, I'm going to. I'm going to go try it. I've been here for a year or so, and I'm going to go try that church. Everybody keeps talking about it. Well, you know, your church are to be the... And let me say this, your pastor ought to be the best preacher to you. Huh? People tell me all the time, you're my favorite. Well, I'm glad. Because if they put me on the bottom of the totem pole, they ain't going to be there much longer. 
Huh? I had a guy tell me one time I'm quitting. We have a balcony in our church. He 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 stood up in the he would stand up in the pulpit and he'd get people gathered together behind me and say, We're for this preacher, I'm for this preacher, we love this preacher. I've known him all my life. He goes to like this and the people get in the back. He told me one day, he said, You know, when the people start getting in the balcony, they're about to leave. <laughs> then I saw him in the balcony one day. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> Maybe he gave me a little heads up. Thank y'all for listening to me. God bless you. You have a good evening. Grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll begin to dig around in the Word. Boy, that's a hard act to follow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We might not be finished with Randy this week. You never can tell. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 now. Let's look here in, uh, let's start in verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7 of Ephesians. But now notice this, but unto every one of us, everybody say us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, I'm amazed that it was grace that got so messed up in the past 10 years in some of the big preachers in the world. I've watched big preachers before go into era. It's, it's a no new thing upon the earth to watch, you know, people that draw great crowds or some large church where you thought, wow, you know, those, that they're really doing something in the kingdom. And then to take a, a, a particular subject and just go in a ditch with it. And so there was a lot of teaching about, you know, grace being upon our lives and how, you know, re really because you're a believer and you're, you're, you're under grace, then sin really doesn't have an effect in your life. So if you're out there sinning, well, you know, if you really don't have the strength to overcome it or, or you know, the power to break the addiction, well, it's really okay because God gives you grace. And they begin to dis... I knew they were messed up when they begin to talk about other scriptures and said that doesn't apply. And so the scripture they were talking about and said that doesn't apply was in 1 John, a letter to the church, to the church, to the church, where they said that the believer, see, when you're not a believer, your sins are not forgiven when you get saved. They're remitted, and there is a difference. A, a sinner coming to Jesus, we've said this many times, they need a revelation, number one, that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Secondly, they need a, a revelation there is a Savior, and then they need the revelation of how to get saved, how to take that, that Savior and, and bring him into your life where you're no longer lost. Amen? Now, now, grace covers all that, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of works. It's the gift of God, at least anyone should boast. So you can't say, well, I tell you, I earned this. You didn't earn nothing. You didn't earn nothing. It's a gift of God. No one can boast about it. Well, I, I tell you, a Sunday school teacher, I, I led people. No, no, you can't. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy he has saved us. Amen? So, so it was really weird, you know, uh, I had people come to the church, they'd bring the books. Uh, I made a couple of trips out to uh, uh, Manila, to the Philippines, ministering for Pastor Paul Chase. And, uh, of course, he has a large church out there, a big mega church. And, and so we sat in his office, and he talked with me about how difficult it was combating that message. 
because a lot of people were, 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 it was just giving them an excuse to live like the devil. So people were going back to their addictions, going back to their old lifestyles because they read a book that said that God wouldn't do it. Well, it's not that God won't do it. It's that sin will do it to you. Sin will destroy you. I don't care if you're a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, a man of God or a woman of God. You mess with sin, you're going to get a paycheck. Amen? You mess with sin, the wages of sin is death. It was, I thought that was before. No, that's for any time, any place, anywhere you mess with sin. The wages of sin brings separation. That's what death is to the human experience. It's not the cessation of something or the end of life. It is a separation. And a lot of people get separated from what God wants to do because of sin. And one of the reasons God has given us the church is so that you will have a place to be accountable and stay out of sin and live holy and righteous with other brothers and sisters that are living. It's not legalism. It's like, we, you know, we, we, we need to not cut our hair or do this. It's none of that whatsoever. It's that we walk in holiness and in sanctification separated from the world. And the, and the, and the ground zero for that is the church. It's the church. Amen? So we've all been given a measure of grace. Every one of us have a measure of grace. Aren't you glad you do? And it's according to the the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, he ascended up on high. That's the next verse, verse 8. And he led captivity captive and gave gifts. There's that word gifts again, unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it that he also descended? into the lower parts of the earth. Now, we know this is a scripture that refers to Jesus actually going to hell. That's the word Hades. Did you know, church, according to Christianity and their publications that group several denominations together, and even some of them that are Pentecostal, we would be defined and described as heretics believing that. That if you believe Jesus went to hell, then you're a heretic. Because there's no way Jesus went to hell. That's what they say. There's no way. Well, I've always kind of looked at it like this. I know of at least six scriptures in the Bible that show us plainly in both the Old and New Testament that he did die and he went into Hades. But here's the thing. If he did not take your punishment because redemption was the great exchange, then you're going to have to be punished. And your punishment was hell. Did you get that? So Jesus went to hell and took your punishment. Three days then the same power. Amen. That power came in. It didn't come into paradise. What needed there? In paradise, they were living in paradise. Amen. But the seat of authority, now it's not the home of the devil, but the seat of authority of the devil is his place of punishment, which is hell itself. So he went into the place of authority, and in the place of authority, he bruised the serpent's head. Genesis 3.15. Amen. But then the Bible says that that same serpent that was bruised or his authority was taken away would continually strike at the heel of the one that took his authority away, which is the church, Jesus. Amen? See, Jesus sees no difference in himself and the church. He say, well, he's the bride of Christ. But we're going to look here in just a minute where he talks about even in marriage, you've got you've to love your, your, your wife. Husbands have to love their wives as they love themselves. Amen? as they nurture and take care of their own self. You've got to love. And the only illustration Jesus gave through the scriptures, the apostle Paul is the one that penned it, about your relationship to the church is marriage. 
We'll get into that in just a minute. Amen? So here he gave gifts unto men. Everybody say gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now notice this. For the perfecting of the saints. A better word is that maturing. I think every time we see that word perfect or perfection, we, we see an unobtainable goal or a bar set too high. Because we don't know but one that is perfect and that is him, but thank God we are in Christ. So this is a maturing. Maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now notice, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us to grow up into him. Now this is unique and a little sidetrack, but it'll help you. John chapter 3 speaks of Jesus and his anointing at the Jordan River when he was baptized of John. And when the Spirit of God came upon him, he said, the, the word uh, declares it came upon him without measure. I mean, he had a, 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 an unmeasurable amount. He had the fullness of the Holy Ghost operating in him. Now, we get it in measure. You don't have the fullness. And the reason you get it in measure is because I've got a measure, Ted's got a measure, Jan's got a measure, Sydney's got a, me uh, a, a measure, uh, Linda's got a measure, Randy's got a measure, Danny's got a measure, uh, Leah's got a measure, measure, uh, uh, Laura. And we've all got a measure. But see, when we bring these measures together, we have Christ. And now listen, I'm going to say something right now, and you need to hear this way down in your spirit. The number one goal of your adversary, the devil, and his demonic forces is to get you out of a church like this. And he works overtime on your mind trying to do everything he can do to try to bend you socially or bend you in such a way in which you think that you're either not accepted in a place like this or you're not welcome or, or, or a place like this is not relevant to you when actuality this is the place in which you become the most threatening to your adversary because you're a part of a church who understands the authority of God. Therefore, you step in under that grace of authority. And as we bring in these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, what they're doing is they're growing you up for the work of the ministry in your life in the church. Amen. Now, when I first went into ministry, I, you know, I, I'm a come out of hell and come out of a horrible lifestyle. So I, I just believe God would be a good janitor in some church. I'm I mean, I, was, I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to, I didn't want to stand in front of people. I mean, I, I'd rather climb on a big old ugly bull. I went, I, I went, I went to, the, to uh, Jim Shoulders Rodeo School and, and thought I'm going to tune up and go, uh, go into PCR, PRCA and, and fulfill my dream to be a rodeo cowboy. And uh, I did it. Man, I went and got on 10 bulls a day for a week. That'll, that'll fix you up right there. But see, that night I was going to Kenneth Hagin's prayer seminar in Tulsa. This is in April of 1984. So I was sitting under the Word, sitting under the Word, sitting under the Word, teaching on prayer, teaching on prayer, sitting under the Word. And so I'm going back to my hotel in Henrietta, Oklahoma, and I'm praying. And I'm riding bulls. I don't want to preach. I'm praying, riding bulls. I'm looking to get permitted, you know. So I come home, and I enter two rodeos. I enter a jackpot bull riding at Gillies, and then I, or, uh, I uh, entered the Laporte JC's Rodeo. And I thought, well, that'll be two. And if I can win a little money there, I can go on down the road, you know. 
And so uh, I went to, I got our members on a Thursday night, and I drove up to Pasadena, and I went to Gillies, and there were a few cars in the parking lot over at the bar, and the rodeo arena, there was two cars and some cowboys sitting on a, on a fence right there. And I walked up and I said, uh, is the bull riding tonight? And they said, you know, they've had a jackpot bull ride here every night for three years, and they canceled it tonight. Uh-huh, okay. Well, praise God, I turned around and came back to Galveston. So I was with my parents' house right over here. And so the next morning, I had already filled out an application and sent in my entry fee. Now, in rodeo, you uh, rough stock events, uh, bareback, saddle bronc, bull riding, uh, they have a stock contractor that brings the animals. Most of the animals either have a, a name or a number. They know who they are. They're not just random animals. They're raised for it. And so they take the cowboys on one list, and they put the numbers of the animals in a hat or a container, and you draw. It's called a draw. So in this particular rodeo, they had what they called a go-around on, on Friday night, a go-around. That's just uh, another term for the rodeo performance. A go-around on, on uh, Monday night, a go-around on, uh, excuse me, a go-around on, on Friday night, on Saturday night, and the finals would be on Sunday. They'd done this rodeo for 20-something years. So Friday night, I want, I wanted, I mean, Friday afternoon, I called to find out, am I up on Friday night or Saturday night? And I'll never forget it, as long as I live. The, 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 the rodeo secretary said, Mr. Martin, it's the strangest thing. But just last night, in a city council meeting, we decided to cancel the rodeo. I got home. So I'm driving home, and I'm not praying I'm going to do anything. And the Lord spoke to me, and this is what he said. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, I'll cancel every rodeo from here to Calgary. I'll cancel Pendleton. I'll cancel, I'll cancel every one of them until you decide to serve me. Now, why would he say that to me? Why am I so important? Some little old surf bum from the beach wanting to go back into rodeo after being a buzzhead for 12 years. Why would God care so much? Why would he care so much about me to say, hey, you know, if you want to keep pursuing this, then I'm just going to stand in your way. I mean, he already had me. He already, I, I was willing to do anything, just not everything. Did you get that? I was willing to do anything, just not everything. But you got to be willing to do everything. So I did it. I went and gave my bull rope away, my rigging bag, my chaps, everything. I went to Bible school. And the rest is history. But I thought to myself, obviously God looks down and he sees down the road. And so in Bible school, he begins to deal with me and deal with me about the church. And so, you know, we're being taught in Bible school, you need to pray about your, your, your every day, you need to pray about your ministry every day. So I was praying every day about my ministry. And I was going, I found the prayer room there and found the, the Lakewood Prayer Warriors. There wasn't but about 10 of them in a church of over 5,000. And I would follow them in there and pray. And man, I had some experiences in that prayer room. Then God spoke to me, it blew me away. It scared me the way he spoke to me. And he said, here's your assignment for your first phase of ministry. And I said, okay. He said, you're going to go to churches. And what you're going to do is you're going to help that pastor build that church. Don't build your ministry. Don't try to get everybody on a mailing list. And that's what the Lord said to me. He said, your relationship with a church as a traveling minister is not like a pastor. A pastor is like, that's like a marriage. That's like a, a, a husband and wife relationship, the pastor to the church. He said, but now as an evangelist, he says, that's a brother-sister relationship and you can't violate the pastor's relationship. Go in there and help the pastor. Be a friend to the pastor. Pray with the pastor. Pray for messages that'll help the church. We did that for almost 20 years. We preached for Randy. We still preach for them. 
And the reason we do is because we go to help his church. But being a Bible school student, you think, well, you know, just a Bible school student. And sometimes I think God speaks to us early in our lives and early in our walk in faith and says very important things to us that we don't pay attention to. Amen? So we had a deal called uh, World Satellite Network, and that's back when all the satellite equipment was huge, big old trucks and trailers. and big... So Pastor Osteen had an idea every Friday night to bring in a speaker and to, and to broadcast it around the world. Because they could, you know, it cost a bunch of money, and so they. Uh, the first uh, first meeting, uh, this was in late October of 1984, was Kenneth Hagen, Friday night, and so Brother Hagen came, and man, the place was packed, and every man, you know how Brother Hagen's meetings were. You just walk in there, and the glory's already there, you know, and just glorious. So he gets up and he gets in a pulpit, and you can tell everybody's just strained because you know you're a true prophet of God, you know, people recognize that. And so everybody's straining to, and he says, you know, I'm going to tell you what God's fixing to do. Boy, everybody got quiet in there. He says, you know, in prayer that God spoke to me and said this. He says, what he's fixing to do is he's fixing to raise up the church. Strong local churches that know how to flow in the Holy Ghost. This is what he said. And he said exactly what the Spirit of God said to me. In the last days. Well, that's been almost 39 years ago. So we were a little closer to the last days than we were then. But he said, in the last days. Now, I remember he, he, he kind of exaggerated. He said, it won't be big crusades. It won't be. But he was talking about the move of God. He said, it's going to be in the local church. It's going to be in the local church. And then he said this. The local church is the only thing that possesses the correct structure to house the Holy Ghost in its fullness the way it should move. Now, Alan and I can attest to this. The closest we've ever seen that is Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwin's church. Brother and Sister Goodwin's church was a glorious church. It was a glorious church. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, what did we have? 500 maybe at the most, 450, 500 people. But it, the glory of God and the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, it didn't happen overnight, but they had worked, the Goodwins had been persistent in living right and seeking Jesus and trying to figure out this mystery of the Holy Ghost. What is this? What are these gifts of the Spirit? How does this power flow? And there's been books written about the phenomenal things that happened there and the excellence of their ministry. And then the great charismatic move hit. I believe that church was the seed for it. Literally was. Many, many of the great charismatic ministries got baptized in the Holy Ghost under their ministry, including John Osteen. So it was, a, it was like a ground zero for that, quote, move, which I believe lasted all the way up to the year 2000, 2001 in which the grace for the charismatic move lifted, came up. And I truly believe, according to the Word of God, the church entered into an apostasy. You say, why? Because people either left churches like this in mass, or they went to some church that was, you know, they didn't, they didn't name the name of Jesus because they're afraid they're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Never talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speaking, giving, no, 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 we don't talk about that. That makes people uncomfortable. And surely don't talk about sin. You know, because people really don't have sin. They just have problems. <laughs> Amen. So the Word of God, now notice this. It says that till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature man unto the full measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children. Now, it's not that the church... Is full of babes, it seems sometimes to get full of children. 
And, and when that happens, and you've got to understand this, in that state, you're very vulnerable. And children many times are defined as people that refuse to grow and to remain in a childlike state. Amen. Spiritually, they refuse to mature. They remain in a childlike state. So they're very vulnerable to, to uh, anything that's childlike. So I was thinking about meditating on that. And number one, not babes, but children, they're very unreliable. Amen. I remember when I got old enough to mow the yard, the first time I was supposed to mow the yard, I mowed about half of it. <laughs> and then a bird flew by, or somebody said, let's go play basketball or something. And I'm, you know, I'm going, going off over here, you know. And then my parents, they were not just parents, they were trainers. The Bible says, train up a child. Most people try to talk their children into maturity. My parents obeyed. The Bible said, train up a child. They say, how do, you, how do you train up a child? You take the rod of a correction and you apply it to the seat of learning. <laughs> Amen. And so my unreliability was quickly, quickly cured through punishment. Children tend to be selfish. Mine, my seat, my parking place. Amen? My this, my that. That we henceforth be no more children. Maybe Randy ought to come back up. <laughs> Number three, distracted. I mean, he was talking about praise and worship. That's why we don't sit on the platform. When I traveled, I used to sit on the platform. Dad didn't even tell you this. I traveled, I sat on the platform. I quit sitting on the platform. Because, you know, as you go back, people get a little more, get a little more pie-faced, you know. That's a duck-hunting term. They don't look, people, I have them hunting, you know, and they look up, and ducks ain't stupid. They look down and see your old pie-face. They fly somewhere else, amen. I tell them, I saw your face. But there's no entrance. They're not, they're not worshiping, they're not praising, they're not glorifying God. There's no excitement, there's no zeal. It's distracted, you know. Thoughts going through the greatest distraction of thoughts. They just kind of sit there, you know. And then finally, they figure out people are singing around them, and they may, oh yeah, you know, you know. That's childish. That's very childish. And then the last thing that I, I and this is, listen, you got to hear this with the right, right attitude, the right heart. It's being needy, very needy. And that's not, you know, people come to church and they, it takes a, it's a, it's a process to get right, to get yourself squared away, and that takes years. But some people come to church and remain so needy, that's a sign of immaturity. That's a sign of being childlike. Not that we don't want to minister to people, not that we don't want to help people, but listen, if you've served God 20, 30 years and there hasn't been no great change in your life, there's something going on there. You're not growing. Listen, you grow out of 90% of the things in your life. God does not deliver you out of them. You grow out of them. And if you do not grow out of them, and let me just say this, because you might not like this, but the only place you can really grow out of them is the place where the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are imparting wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of God. And the only place they correctly do that is in the church. Amen. I think many times the problem we have is we look at the structure of the church and we, 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 we equate it to a social structures that we're involved in, like education, 
or our places that we work. And it's not like that. The church is very much different than anything else on this earth. Anything else on this earth. And God has set you, as Pastor Randy was preaching, he has set you, those that be planted in the house of the Lord, and a planting is supernatural. And I'm amazed at people that come to me, and I'm, t- listen, and I hope this don't discourage anybody, but I've had people come to me, and man, they just croak. We are here. We are with you. This is it. This is the vision. I'm telling you. And then, you know, uh, a year later, I look around and say, where's so-and-so? Oh, well, they left. They're gone. They packed up. Didn't even come talk to me. Didn't say nothing. Or wrote me a nasty letter because God was trying to grow them up. You have to understand, God will put you in a church and put you around people that will rub you all kind of wrong ways. And then the devil will try to get you offended at the pastor. That's the number one thing that the the, the devil tries to do is get them offended at the pastor. Amen. Pastors aren't perfect. Pastors aren't perfect, but he tries to get you offended at the past. So you'll do what? So you'll unroot yourself, unplant you. God doesn't unroot you or unplant you. You unplant yourself. But a good planted plant, it'll withstand, listen, it'll withstand the storms. It'll withstand, and listen, your, your, your roots go down into the soil of the church. Rooted and planted and grounded in him, in Christ. Now, we're in Ephesians. Just, just flip over a page there to chapter 5. Boy, this gets, this gets a little more. Let me find, get this... Uh, Chapter 5 here. Go up to verse 22. 22. Wives, Leah. (laughs) Now notice this. Submit yourselves unto your own husband. Now notice that word, that terminology. Submit yourself unto your own husband. The word own is a word that means possession. Not that you possess a husband, but that's your husband. And that's a singular term. That means Leah's not going to go and submit herself to Danny, amen, or to anybody else. Because by the word of God, she's supposed to do what? Submit herself to her own husband. Now, now, stay with me because we're still talking about the church. Now, if, you need, if your marriage needs to get healed, it can get healed right now. Amen? Submit yourself to your own husband. Now, notice this. Look at the next phrase. As unto the Lord. I don't have no man lording over me. Okay. All right. Then get old and get ugly. Righteous women get old and get beautiful. I remember sitting on the couch. We were, I was cooking uh, seafood for Brother Kenneth e. Hagen in a Holy Ghost meeting and sitting on the couch it looked like the three three matriarchs of a move of the Holy Ghost you had my mom you had Aretha Hagen and you had Velma Hankins sitting there I think we got a picture of it so I think we took a picture of it and these were three women who had served God all three of them had served God for many many years and had overcome all of the the, the legalism of the Pentecostal denominations that they had come up in, and these were uh, women in their in their seventies that were just beautiful. They just glowed with the glory of God. See, see, he put beauty on you. He put, be- but 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 you get sideways, you know. You just get old and ugly and bitter and mad. That's all you do. Amen. 
Oh, that was, that was, you talk about meddling. That'll meddle right there. That's a good meddle right there. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband, unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and is the Savior of the body. Well, I ain't going to have no man. Hey, I'm not. Now, listen. Remember what Pastor Randy said, talking to somebody about, the, you know, the partnership thing. It's not in the New Testament. It's in the New Testament. This is Ephesians. And the reason that God says that is that's the way creation was ordered. Creation was ordered that way. We don't, we don't try to lord over them and make a slave. No, your, listen, your wife, husbands, listen to me. Your wife reflects your spirituality. Say, so, well, man, my wife's always depressed, always upset. And that's not her fault. That's your fault. You're the one that determines the spirituality of your own wife. You say, why? Because she's supposed to submit to you and you're supposed to stand over her. That means you cover her not with your authority, you cover her with your grace. Amen. Now listen. Husbands love your wives. But now notice. Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So is your love deep enough in your marriage covenant to take death for your wife? Now you think of that kind of love. You think of that kind of love. I would for Leah. In a minute. What do you think about it? Spiritual muscle memory. Meditating on the Word of God. Amen? But now notice, this is so interesting. I was meditating and studying this. I thought, this is amazing. You find it here. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now, let me, I'm going to stop here for just a minute. Oh, I've got some time. Good. You know, we have Christopher. He's going to be here tonight. And you look at you and you see these crowds and you ooh and ah. And you say, oh, man, why isn't that going on in the church? Because that ain't the church. That's the harvest. And you have to understand the dynamic of the harvest and the dynamic of the church. I've worked in the harvest just like Christopher. Had the same miracles in the harvest just like Christopher. But now notice, this is, this is powerful. Let me read that scripture again. That he might sanctify it, cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. You say, I don't know, I see the, I see the word and the word and the word. And I want to see a move. Without. Listen, if you're willing to sit and allow the word, and not just listen, but to hear the word of God. The word of God that you hear will be the word of God that continually flows out of your mouth. That logos turns into the rhema and the process of your heart rising it up and it coming out of your mouth. When it comes out of your mouth, like Mary, be unto thy handmaiden according to thy word. Amen. That's where you learn it. This is where you learn. This is where you, this is your, this is not only your family and your place of fellowship, but this is your school where you come every Sunday. I love what Brother Osteen said when we were in Bible school because a lot of people were trying to get into him to see him and they needed counsel. We need counsel. We need counsel. So he addressed it. He, he got up for the church. He said, now I'm not opposed to counsel. People need to get married. People make a business decision. But he said, I found out that 90% of my counseling is people wanting to come in and spend 45 minutes telling me about their problems and they don't want me to fix it in five minutes. He said, so I quit counseling. And he says, here's what I did. I, scout, I, count, I scheduled a counseling session 
for every member of our church three times a week. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So if somebody comes to me and says, I need counseling, I ask them, have you been coming to your counseling sessions? And they say, no, I have not been coming to the counseling sessions. That's your problem. You need to start coming to the counseling sessions. <laughs> Amen. That he might present it to himself. Jesus is working on something he will present to himself. You ever gotten yourself something you wanted? I mean, something you really wanted. And you earned, and you scraped, and you saved, and you, and men, and the day came, and you did what? You made the purchase, and it became yours. Now listen to it. Listen to it. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now notice, right back after that scripture, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourish and cherish it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave, leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Now listen to this last verse. This is a great mystery. But, look at the but there. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. See everybody's thinking, okay, now Paul's giving us a marriage seminar. That's what they're thinking. But right in the middle of teaching on husband and wives, he says, wait a minute. Let me talk to you about the church, not just the church, but the glorious church that I'm working on to present to myself without spotting a wrinkle. Then he goes back to talking about marriage. You're going to have to get this. That's, listen, that's why many of you experience such pain if you've ever had to leave a church. You didn't want to leave it. Maybe the pastor left or got into sin or something happened. Amen? I'm not talking about the little petty things that people leave churches over. I mean somebody that just agonized. I know I've got friends like that that were in churches that were glorious churches and God was moving and something happened. Mistakes were made. I don't know. But they had to leave it because it was not the church they were planted in. If the church ever becomes the church you were not planted, the church you were planted in, it's not the place for you anymore. I've heard the term before. Well, churches evolve. I heard a guy say that that talked about how the move of the Holy Ghost was over. He said, "Well, the guy's not moving like he did in the '70s and '80s and '90s. That's all over with because churches evolve. That's garbage. That's garbage." People lose the real value. Now, let me ask you a question: If you if you're married or you've ever been married, if you ever had any a day of happiness. You valued your marriage. But people don't value their church. But Jesus sees no difference in marriage in the church. That's why many people, when they leave the church, it hurts so bad because it's just like going through a divorce. And you go through a bunch of them, you get jaded. And you lose your tenderness just like you do if you go through a bunch of marriages. Because this one put a kink in your armor, and then this one dented you, and this one, and this one. 
That's why it's worth it to fight to stay in and fight instead of fighting to get out. Yeah. Amen? Now, Jesus is revealing the reality of his relationship with the church by comparing it to marriage. You know why he did that? Because marriage is the only re relationship on the earth that's involved in reproduction. So what does, God, what does Jesus want the church to be? His bride. The part, listen to me, church, the part of himself that reproduces the only place it can reproduce, which is on the earth. There's no campaigns, there's no out, there's no, there's no crusades, there's no, there's no seminars, conferences, camp meetings in heaven. Amen. They're not, it's not there. Down here on the earth. Down here on the earth. Down here on the earth. This is where people need to be what? Born again. Yeah, yeah. Amen? And the word says when Zion travails, Zion's a type of the church. Sons and daughters are birthed into the kingdom. That word travail is the same word that we get when it comes to the contractions that a woman has when she's having a baby. If you've never travailed, so well, God doesn't use me like that. That's because you won't be used that way. If you will be used that way, God will give you intercession and you will travail. And sons and daughters will be birthed into the kingdom of God. It's amazing. We've, the last oh, few months, you know, we've always had people get right with God, get saved in our Sunday morning service. But, you know, it's kind of up and down since COVID's been like this. But these last few months, we've seen five and six and seven and two and three and one and one and then two and three and then six. And, I mean, it's just people coming to the Lord, getting saved, coming to Jesus. You know, what is that? That's reproduction, reproduction. Sunday morning after Christopher, uh, after, after Eddie taught, uh, a couple came up and it was a, a guy and his fiance. And he said, you know, my fiance wants to get saved. We just led her to right here, right, right here. She went from darkness to light. She went from death to life. She was born again. Reproduction took place. Reproduction took place. Amen. So the church is the part of Jesus that reproduces. But in order to reproduce, there has to be seed. So what is the Christ part of the church? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as the glory of the begotten. It becomes that place of reproduction. You know, let me read this scripture. It's over there in Acts chapter. You don't have to turn there. Acts 20, 28. This is, this is cool. I'll tell you a little story. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourself. Paul is speaking to ministers at Miletus. He's fixing to leave them. This is a minister's meeting that's going on. He says, Take heed to yourself. Listen, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. You know what that means? Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And I know that people go overboard sometimes taking care of themselves physically, eating the right thing, exercising, taking vitamins, all that's well and good. I do that myself. You've got to take care of yourself mentally. If you don't take care of yourself mentally, one of two things will happen. You'll get a lazy mind or the enemy will lure you into depression. Sometimes he does both. A lazy mind will not pay attention. It'll only listen, not hear. How much Eddie's been teaching on the mind, all that he's been doing. Man, I tell you, that's a, that's a rescue message that Eddie teaches. Because a lot of people fail in church because they let the devil talk them out of the church. 
in their minds. In their minds. Now listen to the scripture. Take heed therefore unto yourself and to all the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now that's the thing. Listen, I didn't, I didn't apply for the job here. Huh. Amen? And there's no vote. We don't take votes here. So I don't vote that pastor out. We'll go to another church. You ain't going to vote me out. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time, what's your corporate structure? I said, well, you know. I said, I believe in the general method. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, we take our offerings. Everything goes into the general fund, and I'm the general. That person was looking for the, you know, what's the structure that controls me? So I was messing with him, you know. And he was like, well, what does your board say about that? I said, nothing. I don't even, I don't even tell them. I got a little wrought over that. They were like, what do you mean you don't even tell them? And I said, well, we've set our church up according to the word of God because there's only one person that will answer to Jesus for what happened at Island Church, and that's me. And I don't answer to a board, and I don't answer to a congregation. I answer to him because that's the higher power. And if I'm not submitted unto him, I'm going to mess all you up anyway. So I stay submitted to him. Amen. And don't get me wrong. we got a fine structure here. We, we, everything runs like a, like a well-oiled machine. Now notice. Jesus, let me read this again. Oh, I'm on the scripture. Overseer the flock of God. The Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. Now notice this. Which God hath purchased with his own blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! I was in a gun shop. Uh, I've been going there for 40 years, so I know the owner real well. And, and he wanted to introduce me to a man. He was a dentist from up in Houston. And this guy was a big a hunter, and he's smoking a big old cigar. And you could tell he'd had a few, you know, probably a few Jack Daniels or something, you know. And, he's, uh, he, and, he's, and so uh, my friend introduced me as, as Reverend Rusty Martin. He's very, very, uh, very kind to me and very respectful of who I am. And so he said, now, this, is, this is a friend of mine, Reverend Rusty Martin. We hunt together at the San Burrito Ranch. And he's, oh, so you're a preacher, huh? I said, yeah, uh, yes, I am. And so there's, there's 15, 20 people in this shop. And that got, that big old loud mouth got everybody saying, so you're a preacher, huh? He's smoking that cigar, you know? And so he starts, uh, he really starts challenging me. I could tell that liquor was working on him. He said, uh, well, I tell you, I, I tried to go to church. Yeah, they, they, they kicked me out of every church I went to. They just wouldn't listen to me. So, you know, my church is out there in the duck blind and the deer blind and out there in my bay boat. I tell you, I have me and God, we have a time. What do you think about that? I said, well, here's what I think. I said, I love the bay. God's blessed me with a beautiful bay boat. I said, I've got a great place to duck hunt. I've hunted some of the finest ranches in Texas. I said, but let me tell you something. I said, that's all creation. I don't serve creation. I said, but the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I didn't say it loud, haughty. I just kind of, you know how you can use a quiet voice with a little authority? I said, but the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And everyone there was like this. And you could have heard a pin drop for 30 seconds. And he kind of like, well, there was a guy on the counter buying a gun. He'd been backslid for years. And it shook him to the core. Because he'd been going to church in the duck blind and in the bay boat and in the deer blind. 
I looked up Sunday, he's sitting in church. You say, why? Because the church was purchased by his blood. And there's nothing more precious, precious than the blood of Jesus. And when we realize the church is purchased, we begin to raise the value. Listen, everything the devil's tried to do through the church in the last 20 years has been designed to devalue it. You, we got some great churches. Lakewood Church is beautiful. We've got some other mega churches that are beautiful. But when it comes down to the core of what keeps America together the way it should be in righteousness, it's not the mega churches. It's churches like this that pray for the nation, that pray for the pastor, that are not involved in trying to put on a Hollywood production, but are just trying to follow Jesus. Just doing everything we can do to just follow Jesus. Amen? Now, let me... I had a couple of notes I really needed to read. Let me put it over here. Yo, that's right. I was going to read it in this one. Listen to it in the Passion Bible. It says, it titles it Loving Relationships. Wives must, wives, uh, for wives, this means, let me find it here, being devoted to your husband like you are tenderly devoted to the Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church. As the Savior and revealer of his body. I don't know why I keep getting pulled back to marriage because I'm trying to stay on the church. But husbands, your love must be demonstrated. Oh, she knows. I love her. I told her when I married her 40 years ago. I heard John Wayne say that in a movie one time. I thought, you knucklehead. Half the men in America are going to do that same thing. Amen? But you love your wife. You love your wife. And that's not just coming up with some extravagant gift. I, I've talked to people before and wives in counseling that, that I mean, a Mercedes Benz or a, some hot car, some beautiful piece, of, they'd rather have time with their husband then they wouldn't have anything else. But you buy them off. Oh, we won't, I won't meddle there. Sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Everybody say, love my wife. With the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of pure water of the word. And all that he does in us, in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious, radiant, beautiful, holy, without fault or flaw. Now let me say something. I'm going to tell you what the glorious church looks like. It's not like everybody, everybody in church is just mature and perfect and nobody gets a fit. That's not the glorious church. Honey, that ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> Amen? But I'll tell you where the glorious church can be found. You ready? In worship. In worship to God. Because it takes the right heart, the right attitude, and the right revelation to really worship God. And when you get a, a congregation of people that are not just singing songs with professional musicians, 
but are actually lifting their hands and, you know, the music's fine, everything's good, but that actually I'm connecting with heaven and I'm worse. And you get that congregationally. You know what happens? I'm telling the wrinkles start getting ironed out and the spots start leaving. Because the true design of the bride is to worship For future reference, I'm going to say this. To worship the seed giver. Because without the seed giver, she has no reproduction. But as long as the church will sow seed, sow seed into Ireland, China, Tanzania, India, Bolivia, Guatemala, Australia, Haiti, and Botswana, into the Dominican and Nicaragua and Cuba and Panama and Philippines and other nations, as long as we sow seed, as long as... See, so, well, I wish hundreds of people getting saved at the church like they are in Christopher's. They're getting saved in Africa! He's going to India. They're going to get saved in India. Thank God we get two, three, four, five, six, or seven. They're getting thousands. Harvest is taking place. Why? Because we're able to give. We're able to bless. We're able to send. He's able to go. In the meantime, God reproduces that back in the church, and people start coming in, getting saved, getting right with God. I mean, we've got a hundred stories in the church of people that that's happened to. Amen? I'm straining. That's the... uh, Glare on this page is where it's a different white than the King James. Can there be a different white? <laughs> that may be a message in that. That's exactly what Christ does for the church, for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. But now notice this. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and mother and lovingly hold to his wife, since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design that the Almighty, a great and sacred a sacred mystery, meant to be, excuse me here, meant, meant to be, what is that word? Vivid? A vivid example of Christ and his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself. And every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. Amen? Let me read that one again. And be tenderly devoted to his husband in love, in our families, and our workplaces. Now, let me wind this up. We're about done. Are you getting anything out of this? I, listen, it grieves me at this late stage of the game when people leave the church. Let me ask you a question. If you're offended at your pastor, you're offended at a church or something's not going away in the church that you go to, uh, but you've been there and you've lived under its grace, are you willing to go and put yourself under another grace and try to extract from that grace at the same point you were at in the grace of the church that you're in? Do you understand that? Grace is a growing force. It's a growing phenomena. You walk in it. You come. You plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Your grace grows. You begin to learn the knowledge of the Word of God. Your grace grows. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, what is the motivating factor? Why do most people leave the church? You know what the Lord told me? It blew me away. He said, most people leave churches because of hate. And I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I don't understand that, Lord. He said, your problem is you think there's a gray area between love and hate. There's not. Because when you're not acting in love, you're walking in hate. And the Bible says it's just like being a murderer. And he told me, he said, that's why you've seen so many people leave the church and not end up somewhere being a Sunday school superintendent or, or a music leader or doing this or doing that because they hate, they used hate. They used love to come and plant, then they used hate. That's why the pain was so bad. That's why it hurt so much. Amen? So in understanding that, if you can get into a church that actually believes the Bible and believes the lost needs to be born again, the, the sick can be healed, the, the, the oppressed can be delivered, then you've got to really fight to stay there. And you've got to learn to reject everything in your mind because in these last days, the true essence of what Randy preached, it's amazing how these two messages are dovetailed. And we never talked about it. I didn't ask him, what are you going to preach or anything like that? Didn't tell him what I was going to preach. But it actually dovetails together. So the benefits of just staying put. Number one, whatever offense is trying to drive you out, you can get healed of that and grow. Secondly, it is the place of protection against deception in the earth. And honey, deception is rampant. And we all laugh at the world and all the deception that goes on there. But honey, there's some deception going on in the church right now that I'm telling you, it'll sweep you away if you're not careful. You know, when we were young in the Lord, uh, Lee and I, we visited with Mom Goodwin several times. She told this. This is what she emphasized to me more than anything else. She said, Rusty, you cannot yield to sensationalism. You must stay supernatural in everything that you do because sensationalism, it will promote you. It will, people will ooh and awe at you, but it won't be God. It'll be you. Dad Goodwin. Now, he didn't tell me this personally. There was another man named George Dustin who pastors a church, and he sat me down, and he said, I'm going to rehearse to you the things that Dad Goodwin taught me about pastoring. I was like, okay. He said, number one, you have to understand how much false doctrine is out there. He said, Dad Goodwin spoke to him and said, the deliverance message in Dad Goodwin's lifetime, he saw it go around three times over 15 years. I've seen it go around about four times in my 39 years of ministry. He said, what do you mean by deliverance message? Well, it's a message that every one of us out here got some kind of devil messing with us. And that we have to have some kind of deliverance to get them off of us. And that deliverance manifests itself in some goofy throwing something up in a bag or barking, crowing, I don't know what it is. But you have to understand how that dynamic works. It's sensational. Now, let me help you if you're going to go to a meeting, all right? You're going to walk in there, and the music's going to be professional, and you're going to feel like you're in the greatest anointing you've ever been in in your life. Oh, God is here. I'm telling you. Let me tell you. I'll tell you this by experience. God is here. Amen? And the next thing you know, most of the ministers in this genre are very charismatic, very disciplined, buffed and polished. They have pulpit manners. They know all, but I'm telling you, when it gets to the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, this is where they're off. I'm going to deliver you from something. That's not right. Who hath delivered us? 
We live on the completed side of redemption and the, 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 the quote, deliverance message degrades what God has done for us in Christ by putting it over on a man to do it. And when he does it, it's not God. It's the enemy coming in in either a, in, in either a, a, a familiar spirit or some kind of man. Oh, that'll never happen. It happened to us when we were in Bible school. Like to cost the Osteens their ministry. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? At the end of the day, when God's done everything he wants to do, if you're looking at a man, you've been in the wrong meeting. And let me tell you about all the sensationalism at the altar. I've been in the deliverance ministry for over 30-something years. I've seen people delivered all over the world from everything you can think of. And not one person has thrown up on me and not one person has made a sound toward me, when I walk into a situation, into a church, or into a hotel ballroom, or into anything, I am the one in authority because I am in Christ, and when I walk in there, ain't no devil going to put on a show, and I'm not going to put on a show to get him out. Church will protect you from bad doctrine. You say, now, why would that be bad? Because you can't build a church on it. I watched a guy build a church, 10,000 members, and went down in two months. It was nothing. In two months, that pastor left that church, turned it over to a friend of mine. It almost killed him to try to rescue that church. 10,000 members. What happened was, well, they found out. There was a principality over San Francisco, California homosexual spirit. Whoa, what revelation. You mean you couldn't walk on the street and figure that out? So they're going to go up and they're going to destroy that principality over San Francisco and there's going to be great revival. Problem with that is, as long as there's one homosexual willing to cooperate with that spirit, he's got a right to be there. So then what do you do? You overcome. You preach the gospel. So what happened was is they went with a big sensational entourage of people unto the highest floor of a building that they could rent and they had prayer and intercession for many days and declared San Francisco delivered from homosexuality. You know what they did? They pulled that devil down on themselves. Destroyed the pastor's marriage. Destroyed the church. And I have not heard of him holding, I know he's held some meetings because I know some places, but I've not heard of him doing anything in ministry effective since then. And that was in the early 90s. Christopher, he's not here, so I'll tell the story. He was in one of the most powerful churches in the world. Uppsala, Sweden. I won't mention the pastor's name. When the door opened, the Soviet Union crumbled. They rushed into Russia and built 6,000 churches. 6,000 churches. You talk about harvest. Many of them are still existence today. But the pastor got into the deliverance and got really radical. I mean, really, they were casting devils out of the chairs. I'm not kidding you. I mean, you know, uh, one guy told me that was there, a friend of mine that, that preached for him several times, he said a plant fell over in a meeting and they spent 30 minutes trying to bind the devil that knocked the plant over. He said, I didn't want to tell him I knocked it over. 
They're praying too hard. If I told you who it was, you'd know, you'd know, know that was true. Amen. He said, I want to tell them I knocked them over. They want to cast the devil out of me. Amen. Now, now, now let me, I don't want to tell you all the stories and all the horror and all the. Today, that man is a Catholic priest. He rejected everything about the word of faith. He built a church of, of thousands of people. He literally was the premier church. This is where Christopher came when he was rescued out of Pakistan. This was his, this was his pastor. He's a Catholic priest today. He, before he was a Catholic priest, he was a Lutheran priest. So he's gone from a powerful, charismatic church with all kinds of the power of God to a, to a Lutheran preach, priest because he embraced uh, 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 Martin Luther the teachings of Luther, amen? And then he did, that didn't satisfy him, so he just made a decision to go celibate, divorce his wife, become a Catholic priest. Renouncing everything he'd ever preached and taught when it came to the Word of Faith. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Just, am I telling the truth? Is that the truth? That happened. Big churches don't mean it. Don't mean, big churches don't mean that you've got it all down. Listen, we're in a fight, and we've only got one place of protection against the deception, against what the enemy's doing. And let me tell you something, church. When, the, when Jesus comes for this church, if it comes in our lifetime, hallelujah. If we go by the way of the grave, hallelujah, we still get to be in the rapture. We either, go, we either come down or go up. But when this entity, listen to me, when this entity leaves the planet, Jesus leaves the planet. Are you with me? There's still going to be some things God's doing on the earth sovereignly in that seven years, but I'm going to tell you, the bride and the groom will come together and they will go into heaven in a great procession of victory as we march into heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and He is coming back for what? A glorious church without spot or wrinkle, and He will perfect us in our worship and our reproduction. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. So don't fight to get out, fight to stay in. And I know pastors get discouraged and sometimes you think, man, I'm just going through the motions. Then change something. Quit doing some things you were doing, start doing. You say, well, what if it's not God? You'll figure that out real quick. If you pray and hear from God, you'll figure that out real quick. But you just keep, oh, we'll try this, we'll do this, we'll do that. And, and you'll find what'll work. I, I like something Brother Kenneth E. Hagin said years ago. He said, the reason that most people don't find a real flow of effectiveness in the kingdom is they're afraid to go through the process of elimination. Remember the Apostle Paul? Hey, let's, let, let's go here to Asia. Man, there's a bunch of people need Jesus in Asia. Let's go to Asia. Don't you think that, that Jesus would love to go to Asia? Let's go to Asia. You know what happened? Jesus said, no. Said, well, okay. What about Bethania? Oh, that sounds good. Boy, they need some people. Man, I tell you, they need revival. Let's go to Bethania. Check on tickets to Bethania. Well, the Bible says the Spirit of God forbade him. What's he doing? He's going through the process of elimination. As he's going through the process of elimination, the Holy Ghost visits a man in Macedonia and gives him a vision. When he does that, Paul responds to it. And when he goes, what, what is his intention when he goes? There needs to be a church here. Well, the devil fought him. But they stuck a church in Philippi that supported Paul his entire life. Amen? You know, in these last days, thank you, Lord. Lift your hands, Father. 
Now listen to me. In these last days, there are things coming at us, church. That's one of the things we really need to do is to wake up. I, I, I sense in my spirit that, that there's some things being orchestrated even now that I, I think even in this meeting we need to pray about. I'm going to tell you something. People don't give up power easy. And they don't give up control easy. And these demonic governments, communism is a religion that produces or that spawns demonic government. You understand that? That's exactly what it is. I remember Dr. Summerall was still alive in 80, 80, what, 87 when the Berlin Wall fell. And I remember being in a meeting with him and he said this. He said, the reason it fell is they lost faith in their religion. It wasn't working for them anymore. The economies had failed. Society was failing. Amen? But there's going to be some things coming at us that the only way we're going to go through them is as a church. We're going to need corporate prayer, corporate authority, corporate structure, and the authority and the power of God to face it, to get through on the other side of it, and to continue moving forward into the harvest that God has for the church. And, and, and it's even more precarious for us because we're spread out all over the world. Amen. And there's areas even now. Uh, I know Alan and them go to Nicaragua. They've got to fly into another country just to get down in there. That nation could fall any minute. It could fall any minute. That's how bad it is there. Other nations that we know of people could fall in, except for one thing, the church. The church. The church. How, how about this nation? How close is it to falling? Don't worry about it. The church. And if there's no other church in America praying, we are. And I trust there's a bunch more. But we are, and that's enough. I said we are. Listen, I know there were many people that prayed during World War II. But one man prayed. Reese Howells was his name. He wrote a book called Intercessors. And how God would show them battles and things that were, you know, if you study the history of World War II and you look at things, why, this, why did Hitler do that? He should have never done that. should have listened. Why? People were praying. They were interceding. And it wasn't some great mass of intercession going on in the United States. Just the opposite. America was spiritually dead during World War II because most of the population was fighting the war. And when it came back, God had to do, had to do a healing revival just to get people back in a place where they could be normal again. We were with Dr. Roberts for a couple of years. He told me, Rusty, both of my shoulders are plastic. I said, why? What what, what do you mean they're plastic? He said, I laid hands on 10,000 people a day for 20 years. Sat in a chair for for 10,000 people a day for 20 years. Until they had to replace both of his shoulders. Amen? See, people don't hear that. Yeah, they don't tell you that on the news. There's sacrifice. Where do, you make, where do you make your greatest sacrifices? In the church. I've given my biggest offerings in the church. I've made my, my, my deepest consecrations at the altar of the church. I was born again in the church. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the church. I was healed in my body in the church. I got away from God, but when I came back, I came back to the church. Now, I've gone to the church for 39 years preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that God is coming back, sending his son Jesus back for his bride. And he describes it as a glorious church without spot. So what is a glorious church? 
It's a church where the glory of God is. What is the glory of God? The glory is when the power finds an exit through your life and you live in His glory. This building is the glory of God. It's impossible to get. Has its own testimony. Ten years it sat vacant. We've been here for almost ten years now, over ten years now. Amen? That one over there, Father Justin, it's impossible to build that. What are you going to do? We're going to build it anyway. Well, when you go to build it, I don't worry about that. I don't think about that. I just know it's going to get built. Are you with me? And when you understand these dynamics, you begin to say, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't just give us salvation and leave us down here and just kind of hang out with no connection to one another, no element of family. You know, I've said this for years because I've seen it. I've seen people get born again, especially when we work in Ireland. I've seen people get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and their, their natural family reject them. And the church family come into the church family and they be closer to their church family than they are their natural family. You know why? There's an old ancient, ancient Arab term. It's this. Blood is thicker than water. And the world uses that oppositely. But according to redemptive reality, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is thicker than the water that birthed you onto this earth. That's exactly what that old Arab term meant. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water that birthed you. So what they were saying is when two families come into covenant, then what we do, we cut that covenant and that alleyway of blood. We have our two representatives and this blood is thicker than the water. Amen? That means what's happening here is more important than happened to you when you come out of your mother's womb. Blood is thicker than the water. Lift your hands one more time. Father, thank you for this morning. Let us desire in our hearts to be who we're supposed to be, to do what we're supposed to do. Let the roots of our spirituality go deep into the love of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Heal every wounded heart, every offended spirit, every, every church drama and trauma. These pastors that are here, Lord, the attacks of the devil against the church. We bear our weaker brother and sis, brothers and sisters. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that offense is broken, that we're coming into the unity of faith and the bond of peace. Thank you, Jesus. And we rejoice that we'll soon hear the voice, the shout of an archangel, trumpet of God. Hallelujah. Jesus' name, praise God. Stand on your feet, if you will. Hallelujah. You love the Lord? Did you have fun this morning? You know, one thing the Lord spoke to me, I said it to the church a couple of months ago. Because we've talked about the rapture and talked about Jesus coming back. And the Lord dropped this into my spirit. I thought it was pretty unusual, Danny. You know what he said to me? He said, if an angel was to shout and a trump would sound, would you hear it? Would you hear it? Would you hear it? See, everybody thinks, well, yeah, I'll hear it. Well, will, will you hear it? 
Well, you hear it. You know you will if you're in the church. Because he's coming back for a glorious church. And I think for too many years we were taught wrong. Did you know that? We were taught wrong. My people that said, well, anybody saved go up to rapture. If that was true, the rapture would be a covenant. Would be part of the covenant. Would be part of the, uh, what would you call it? Uh, like, like in our covenant, we have healing. Amen. We have, a, we have a deliverance, baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the promised land of God that he gives us to enter into. Amen. But the rapture is not that. The rapture is a reward for those that are faithful in the last days to watch and pray and cover each other with love in the church and be involved in the harvest of God. It's in the Bible. I've just taught seven weeks on it. That's what it is. So we think, well, I'm saved, so I'm just going to live like the devil. And when that, when that, when that trump sounds with that arch, will you hear it? You won't hear it. You're not, you're not hearing enough now to make it to church. I'm not preaching. Y'all preaching to people on the, watching on the camera back there. Amen. <laughs> but isn't it the truth, Randy? Oh, I'm going, I'm going. But you, you can't hear him on Sunday morning when he says it's time for church. And then, you're, then your heart gets seared because you've rejected that voice so many times. It's not that the voice isn't still speaking, that you've become hard of hearing. Ow. Amen. So what you need is a little hearing aid on each ear. Bound to look better like that. One more time, lift your hands. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Dwayne, you and your wife come. Come here. Both you and your wife. Thank you, Jesus. Now just lift your hands and worship God for a minute. Y'all stand right here. You know, I've been praying for you. God's got an assignment for you that you haven't received yet. The reason you've not received it is he is positioning you to receive it. Even if he was to tell it to you right now, it, it, it'd really be, it'd be tough. But it involves the both of you. And you have to seek it to find it. That's why God's drawn you here. That's why he's drawn you here. Because here you're able to hear better. Not that I'm such a great preacher or anything, but you can hear here. A lot of prayer, a lot of worship. That helps you to hear better. Now, now that assignment is going to amaze you. And don't think to yourself, well, you know, we've lived, you know, our life out. We've lived, we've raised up. Our kids are, are growing. No, no, no. This, this, you shall still bear fruit in what? This is the old age fruit that, that belongs to you because of your past faith and things God has spoke to you that you've kind of said, well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but you've got to understand there's a process that's happening and all of that stuff that God has talked to you about and shown you that you've kind of, you've actually kind of felt some grief because you think that ain't never going to happen. God wants you to know you're wrong. It's going to happen. That's why you can't quit seeking. Even when you try, God comes back with such conviction on your heart that you got to come back, get on your knees, and all of, listen, all of this, you know what this is? This is God. i got to have it. i got to have it. i got to have it. That's what your spirit's crying out. That's what it's crying out. That's what all that's about. And it's going to fulfill your dreams. Oh, we release that in them. That assignment, Lord. What to do. How to do it. Where to do it at. 
The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Hallelujah. Come here, sweetie. Come lay hands on her. You know, life can just beat the hell out of you. You know that? It can. And there's been some things that have wounded you deep, but God is healing you. Words that have been said that you thought, my God, why did those people say that? Things that have happened and it's just grieved your heart. But God is lifting the heavy burden. And he's bringing peace unto your heart. And healing you so that you'll have the grace, the grace to live. Thank you, Jesus. Look at me, darling. Better days are ahead. Oh, I tell you, better days are ahead. Better days are ahead. Isn't that good? And I couldn't quit till I, till I gave you that. I've been carrying that for a couple of weeks. And I thought, you know, there's got to be the right time. I was fixing to go eat lunch. He said, no, you do it right now. You do it right now. Amen. <laughs> and God good. God's good. We love you guys. God bless you. Amen. Give them a hand clap. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that is a gift of the Spirit. Not me. Not, don't look at me. Mom Goodwin did this to Lee and I. She held up an empty envelope. She said, if a $10,000 check came in this envelope, would you pull out the check and wave the envelope around? I said, no, ma'am. She looked at me like this and she said, you're the envelope. I said, this is what's in the envelope. So a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom that helps you navigate into the future and removes the intimidation of what the future is. It removes the fear. It removes the intimidation, removes the doubt. And let, always remember this. It's not the promise of God. It's the potential of God is revealed by the Spirit. So you take the promises of God in the Word and you begin to add them to that and then you pray that thing. We've got, you come into our office at, at our home. We've got, we've got a, she's still got a, a prophecy from 1992 that has come to pass but we still keep it up there you say why because it came to pass <laughs> sitting right in Christ's life in Horton Pastor Terry Wheaton ministered to her and every bit of it came to pass you say why it was the word of the Lord that was the word of the Lord the word of the Lord Father thank you for our afternoon keep us safe and bless us bless our coming out our going in thank you for Fellowship, let it be sweet. Protection, we thank you. We return tonight greatly expecting that which you desire to do through your servant. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.